You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. My time is yours. I was the last man standing. I am the man, and the man feels no pressure. You are facing a fuel-injected suicide machine. Fear from the man that rules the world. There we go. We're live right now. We are on our Facebook page, Vicious Circle. We're going to see how many people actually pay attention to this Facebook page. Good deal, man. Yes. This is a Vicious Circle special. We're going to do it live, but we're also recording it, and we're going to release it as a podcast. So, how you been with all this uh, isolation? Rob, you and I have talked almost every day. Um, The numbers are going up. Uh, I know... The people are going more crazy. I see more. I see things every day through, even sometimes through just one day, where it's just um, you just you say. And like I told you earlier, a girl called me from Germany. Um, same thing, you know. Um, one girl just got back from a friend of mine just got back from New Zealand and almost didn't get home. It's just the weirdest things, and everybody said, "Man, I never thought this would be going on." Everybody's in total awe, shock, you know. Big time. And then there's so many businesses that are changing practices, like restaurants are takeout only, you know? Right. It's it's crazy. No, Rob, it's more than crazy. I, you know, you know, I talk to you and I talk to other people, like my uncle, who's a diehard Democrat and uh, wants to blame all this on Donald Trump, he's really not talking about this too much, you know? He's still just knocking Donald Trump, where um, what I'm afraid of, Rob, is that we're going to see this, like this Dr. Fossey, the guy who's running this thing for the U.S. Yeah. And these other guys, like uh, Bill Gates said, I think yesterday or the day before, that the um, only way we're going to get a hold of this is shut down the, you know, the country. Um, and if that's the case, why didn't they say this from day one? Yeah. You know? That's, I think that's, the world has, has kind of been slow on that. There's a couple places that have been good, but the majority of the places have been slow to shut the borders and to, to isolate and right. stuff. And that's what's caused it to become what it is. No, Rob, without a doubt, it's just gotten totally out of control. You know, I swear, I just, um, today I was driving through, um, the country a little bit just to see what's going on. Cause that, that's all you can really do is take a ride in the country. These little country stores that were open and they're still open. And, um, this is what was sort of cool, but then scary. You see these people are trying to support these little stores by going there, ordering a sandwich, just a, you know, lunch meat sandwich, you know, a story about lunch meat. Yeah. And then going out to the vehicle and see them keeping their distance and they're having their sandwiches. Yeah. Support these places that are doing curbside service and, um, uh, delivery and stuff like that. But Rob, I don't know if that's something we should not be doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Everything's a question right now because even the full extent of how you catch it isn't known. So no, it doesn't. It's not, you know, and they don't know how, how easy right now it is to say, catch this, you know, by error. That's what's being looked in. Yes. Right. You know, we've got the touchdown and the distance down, but if it's air, 
you know, this is something I haven't heard much about, Rob. Now, you know, here in the South, where it's just now hitting Louisiana, which Louisiana thinks got the second most deaths in the United States, um, that the summer's coming here. We're going to be almost in the 90s the next few days. I wonder if these hot temperatures doesn't somehow make this thing a push towards worse. Well, and that's what I wondered. It's either going to burn it off or it's going to make it a breeding ground, you know? Right, exactly. And it's like, which way is it going to go? No, it is, Rob. It's just, it's like, that has to be some type of factor in that, mm-hmm. you know? Well, actually, someone just commented in, and I don't think you're going to do this soon, but they just asked here, are you coming back to Ireland in the future? Well, you know, these autograph signings, are. I was one in, in one last year in England, and these things are becoming a big deal now. I wouldn't see, I wouldn't be surprised at all if someone wasn't to run something like that over as well. Especially, you know, Rob, when we do get control of this virus and stuff, things are going to open back up. You know, exactly. And it'll be popular again, you know. Exactly. No, um, not to get away from this guy's question, but say, for instance, things have changed, and they've shown this right here, too, that since he shut down, it was over China. In Italy, the the pollution and the evaporation of that heat thing is almost non-existence now. And, you know, this is something two scientists said, you know, a year ago, that even though the climate change is in a bad situation, if we did something right now, we could reverse it. I was scared that it couldn't be reversed. But we see now it can be. Yeah. Uh, Italy, for the first time, the water has cleared. They can see the fish in the little, you know, the, the rivers, you know. Yep. And now they've, just, uh, they've come out and talked about it because they started cleaning measures before this happened. So right. that helped, but this definitely, like there's no boats going up and down that river right now. So, right. you know, it's, it's definitely much cleaner. They saw dolphins in there the other day. Wow. Really? Yeah. So that's, that is kind of wicked. That is really, well, see, there you go. If we just, um, is that a question? Uh, actually it just says, thanks Sid for all you did for wrestling. Uh, it's well, D- Didrick Davis. Didrick Davis, thank you for the. For that statement. Yeah. And then Jonathan came on and he said, uh, hey guys, thanks for coming on, Sid. Hey, thanks for listening, Jonathan. Yeah. Well, and that was one of the things too, because you and I were sitting here chatting. It's like, should we do a live podcast or just record? And well, right now everybody's sitting home, so why not do something a little interactive? Right. This is cool. Now, I know one of the topics you wanted to bring up. Oh, here we go. Ricky just said, Sid, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing great. How are you doing, Ricky? <laughs> One of the things we wanted to talk about because of the way this this virus is affecting things is wrestling right now. They have no audiences. And right. that really well, affects you know, the show. Go here. No, you said something. I guess you saw an AEW show a couple of weeks ago, and you thought they had done a really good job of just putting a few people, a few of the boys in the audience. Well, then I saw this past week where they didn't do that again. They must have gotten in trouble for that. For having that many people out there, maybe yeah. But it is affected. But it is affecting everything. The you know, WrestleMania to shut down, where you know um, that's that's probably a first and only time that'll ever happen. Well, it's not officially shut down. They're going to do a pay per view, but they've taped it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's going to be two nights. I think there's twelve matches, and it's going to be over two nights. But it's going to be a oh. taped pay per view with nobody in the audience. Okay. So it's, uh, it's still definitely happening, but again, like you said, no audience, so there's no interaction. And I know we talked about that before too. Like when you get the big shows, it's, uh, 
it's different than the little independent shows where you can hear the people in the ring. Right. And this with with no audience, you're gonna ha- you're gonna hear everything they say. Right. This is the thing. I don't know, man. I I, I, I think you know they proved that AEW. That's the only wrestling I've seen without audience. That it can be done. You know, and I told you this too. When uh, I saw EC, uh, not ECW, USC, two or three weeks ago, and I, I got in. I don't know, a little late that night. It already started. I watched the three quarters of that show, Rob. And I didn't know until the next morning, watching the highlights of it on ESPN, that there was no one in the arena. So I think if you don't <laughs> really make a big deal of it, I don't think people are going to pay attention to it, you know? Well, uh, with with wrestling, I think you have to because 90% of the shots are always the crowd shots and the yeah. signs. No, and, you're right. You know, but yeah. Well, um, well they're, going, they're going to have to change the shots. Exactly. And they're going to have to focus more on the ring and, and things like that. Right. We got a comment. And from- they really well and really think out the matches. If they're already doing that, you know, coming up with every spot, think of some things and uh, that, you know, and just, you know, remind the guys that you're not playing to anyone in the audience. You're playing to the audience at home. Yeah. And don't let that affect you. And then get your best, you know, your best people out there that can do that. And then you'll get the best product that you can probably get out there. Exactly. Um, David said, uh, Sid used to scare the shit out of me as a kid. Uh, I love the WCW feuds with Sting in the nineties. No, those were some of my favorite times too, David, um, working with Sting and WCW. That's when it all started and began. It was, um, every day was an adventure and it was fun. And no, those were my great, great memories too. Yeah. We've talked and that, that one match with Sting is your favorite from Halloween Havoc. Right. Halloween Havoc. Right. I remember that one. Have you ever wrestled in an arena with no audience, like with nobody there? <laughs> Almost. <laughs> you know, <a> couple of... <laughs> uh, actually, I was on a show with WWF one time when it was canceled because there weren't enough people there. But um, the WCW had a few, you know, shows that were like that. Actually, they canceled a television taping one time because there weren't enough people there. Now, I had an idea. I never pushed it to the booker, um, but I always wanted to have a match with Sting where there was no people in the arena. And then, you know, because he needed the, the fans meant so much to him that they weren't there when he really needed them the most. And then, you know, the, on the big blow off, of course, I put him over in front of, you know, hopefully a full building because that was my objective is to try to put people in the building. You know, I'd, already, I'd learned a little bit about what it meant to do that working for the WWF. And I thought this would be a good way to do it in a place that was always struggled with credibility in the you know, to do something like that, that would be taking the most extreme avenue and that would be taking your best top baby face and put him in a position, you know, that no one could think of and that's without his fans. And then, you know, then put him as, and I hate, this would probably mean something at this point. If you put the belt on me and I had to put the belt back on him, it would have really, I think it could have made a big surge. No doubt. That's true. I never thought about that. Take away the, because every baby face, that's their thing. The fans get them pumped up, right. especially Hogan, you know? Right. And if you don't have that to draw on, then what do they do? Right. That's, that's right. That would have been wicked to see. Uh, let me see here. Uh, Willie said, Sid, what was your favorite match that you wrestled? Uh, his was when you wrestled Hogan, which I'm guessing is probably WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. We talk about the one with, um, uh, Sting at Halloween Havoc. Um, I had so many meaningful mit- matches with Bigelow 
and Shawn Michaels and Vader and um, Undertaker and so many people. But I'd say probably still the one at Halloween Havoc and then maybe um, when I took the belt off Shawn. Oh, that was a good one. Right. Yes. And uh, Jonathan just brought up one here too. Um, is there anyone in the business today that you find similarities to yourself? He thinks Brock's present in psychology, uh, psychology is similar. It is. Uh, I think he, he does some of the same things I did. And I, uh, like, I think he jumps up to the side of the ring, uh, shows, shows off his athletic ability. The only thing about, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the shoulders, but I'm much bigger than Brock. So, and then watching Brock work, I don't know if they're purposely doing this or not, but it doesn't seem like, um, I don't see him having great matches. I'm not trying to be a jerk about that. Mm-hmm. I don't see enough of it. I know he's got the most intimidating. He's the most intimidating person out there right now. Um, I think he's starting to get a little watered down. Um, of course, that happens after you have a long run. That's no knock to him. That's just how the, the business goes on. That's that cycle. So, But um, I think similarities would be me and Brock. But for the psychology part of it, we're two different people. You know, I did my own talking. Um, I use my, my interviews, my facial expressions to, you know, help my, help my heat be better in matches and get people's, you know, just help with the psychology thing. I think I was a little different than his. Gotcha. And, and how much that falls on the booker though? Like, I'm just curious because you can only do so much with the match they give you. Right. Well, that's what it is too, is, um. Rob, we talked about this. I took advantage of every second I had out there. Meaning, I didn't just wait till I got to the ring. I, I talked to the camera all the way to the ring. I, I did those interviews on the way back to the ring. And that's why people remember those things. You know, I don't just go to the ring and, you know, let someone do the talking for me. When when I got through with the segment, you go, man, I remember. And that's why you, you've you been with me when people come with me. And it's been 20-something years I've been in the ring. They go, man, I tell you what, I, you scared the crap out of me. It was because I did all those little things. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it wasn't the big vignettes for me. I didn't have those things. They didn't really have them. That, they weren't that big back then. It was just my deal was just getting over those simple little three-minute matches, the stretcher matches, and making everything intense. And um, that's how I did it. Uh, I missed one of the questions previous. Uh, let's pop this up. Uh, Didrick asked, was there anyone you never got to wrestle that you always wanted to? You know, I can't. I can't really think of anyone, Rob uh, or Dirk, um, Didrick. Um, you know, I, this is the thing. Is and this is probably a horrible way to look at it? Um, I always looked at it, Rob. You know, this too is the work. So, you know, I, if I worked with someone like Bigelow or Vader or Sean or Sting, that I just so happen to have some really good chemistry with and matches with, and sometimes it'd be with someone. We can't even think of them right now, but it could be someone you don't remember, but it's just that night, everything clicked. It could be an underneath guy, but um, I can't say that there was somebody came before me or after me that I said, wow, I think I can be with that person and have the best match of all time, or I could draw money with that person better than I drew with these other persons I've worked before that. So can't really think or say anyone that I could think of. Um, okay. Well, yeah, because you had a ton of names that you worked with. So to find one you didn't would be rare. Uh, Ricky said he got to meet you at For the Love of Wrestling in Liverpool, England. That must be one of those signings. Yep, that was a really nice one. That was uh, one of the nicest autograph signings I think I was ever at. 
just first class. Um, I'd say a shout out to Andrew to put that show on over there, man. Just it was it, it was worth going for. Really nice. Got to bring my grandson home a a um um dog. What's that? That bear. Oh. Uh, well, you know Winnie the Paddington. Pooh, Rob. It's not. It's not really Winnie the Pooh. It's another name for that bear. Paddington the bear. The, well, not Paddy. Paddington is the bear from Peru, uh, Peru, but the real Winnie the Pooh is it got another name on it, and I got oh, okay. that grandson of mine one, and it tells a story about it, but um, I can't think of it right now. But I got him the Reginald Bear, then I got him the Paddington Bear, which he loves. But again, it was it was great being over there. The fans were great. What a just what a great time it was over there. Great restaurants, great hotel. You know, I had a guy that was with me the whole time. He was great. Um, again, it was just a lot of fun. That's awesome. Actually, I, I took this off real quick. Terrence said, hey, Sid. He, we just want to let you know Terrence said hi. Hey, Terrence. And Doug said, your reaction after winning the Survivor Series was such a cool moment. Fist bumping the fans on the way out at MSG. No, that, uh, again, Doug, that was, for so many reasons, I won't waste all, our whole night on that, but I had really been in a sort of putting a position of uh, – I've referred to it as being on the whipping post and for some of the things I'd done, like Lee Vince the first time and stuff like that. So in that, that moment I had to, I had forced them really to put that belt on me because I was really the strongest thing they had there. Um, without it, you know, I don't have to say that again, other than it's true. And, um, but that's why that moment meant so, so much to me uh, because I, I've so much done that on my own. That is wicked. Here's another one. Uh, I watched your match with Taker at Mania today, and he wondered, did you enjoy that match? That's from Dale in uh, England. This is the thing is, I, I, there wasn't a bad match or anything. It's just, you know, if you're at Wrestle, uh, WrestleMania or headline a big show like that, you would hope it would have been in a bigger numbers instead of, I think, 12,000 or whatever that building hold, held. You would hope it would have been in something in the, you know, higher upper 60,000s or 70,000s like the other big shows. Um the one me and Sean had at the Alamo Dome. So that's what that would have been. Again, none of these stand out, but those do stand out when, you know, you're responsible or a big part of um, while there's 70,000 people there. To me, Rob, that was the whole attraction for me to the business. I can see that. You know, I really, really can. Um, here, Willie's got another one. Uh, where is it here? Pop this up. Willie asks, say, oh, thanks for everything you did in the ring. You made some of our childhood memories, LOL, uh, WWF days. And yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You cannot think of anything during that period without thinking about Sid Vicious. It's impossible. Right. Well, that's something too, Rob. I mean, I think of, well, I was in the WWF or WWE or WWF. Um, the first, you know, the whole, both times I was there, I didn't see anyone come in there and say, just get over like I did, you know? Um, so I think that's why people remember I had such a great following from WCW before I went there the first time. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think it just carried over to that and being on both those TVs within us, when the, within the same season, within the same, you know, calendar year, I think that also helped my for people to know who I was. Yeah, and I, I noticed that when I was researching you, too, because I remember watching the matches, but when we started talking, I had to go back and actually research your history and how you did it. 
and you re- I've researched a couple other wrestlers, and they usually had three or four years in a, in a Fed or in the WCW where they were building their character before they became a hit. But it's like when you right. dropped into WCW and you dropped into WWF, you were already there. You know, there was right. no buildup. No, it was The only buildup I ever got was the first, you know, my first push as a skyscrapers. Um, that's when Eddie and Kevin Sullivan and, you know, then after those guys had been replaced by Ole Anderson and, and uh, Bill Watts and then even Magnum TA, all those guys got behind me and, and saw that I got over there. Like you asked earlier, does it help for the promotion? Well, it does help when the promotion gets behind you because that parlayed into the rest of my career. Now, I didn't have my hand held, you know, okay, this is what you do every step. You know, I was, okay, here's, here's the door, open it up and do what you can do to make it work. You know, now Eddie in the beginning, he did hold my hand. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, okay, we're going to put you with Danny Spivey. He's going to show you how to do everything. He did do that. And then I was able to march on from there. Excellent. That brings us into the next question. Did you enjoy tagging with Dan Spivey during the skyscraper run? Yeah, it, that had to be, you know, probably the best memories of my all my memories in the business. You know, everything was brand new, you know, getting lost at Chicago Airport because I was trying to drop off the rental car by myself. You no, know, he had to Danny had to actually take me Rob and show me how to pick up a rental car and how to get to a hotel. I didn't have a credit card in the beginning uh, for the first two, three weeks or a month or something like that. And so, um, yeah, it was, again, it was just, you know, learning. I didn't have to really uh, do anything but absorb everything was taken in. I, for some reason, I think my first real road trips were like up in Boston and Philly. I remember eating at those Italian places for the first time, just, you know, living the dream and uh, just really all I had to do was listen and keep my mouth shut and, and have fun. Yeah, and there was a lot to be learned. Especially like you said, because you were no, just coming coming to the big. No, uh, again, Danny, Rob, um, we could do two or three shows on what Danny was in this business. Danny was a real established uh, heel in this business, one of the top big heels in the business, overseas, big in the business. Um, you know, he worked with all the you know top guys in the business, uh, uh, Vader, Stan Hansen, Steve Williams, and it just goes on and on and on. You know, and he knew how to hold his ground with those type of guys. So he taught me how to do that. So, you know, like we worked with the Steiners, which a lot of people didn't look forward to. I'd like to think that they didn't really look forward to working with us. <laughs> you know, like Eddie would, uh, Kevin would say, Sid, take, remember that spot you take the guys and press them over your head and throw them into the ring? Do that to Rick tonight. I go, okay, let's do that, you know. So <laughs> then it gave me, gave me the green light to take advantage of this guy. Yeah. You know, we know he didn't want to do that. Rick's going all those crap. Guys, <laughs> those guys were tough to deal with. They didn't want to do anything. But, um, Again, um, working with Danny, they're not going to say no to him. Gotcha. You know, so then once you say no, you can't say no to him. You can't say no to me because I'm going to remind you, hey, come <laughs> on, let's just do this, you know. This is what the boss told me to do. That's what the boss said, man. Excellent. Now, Adam has a question here. Uh, did you ever punch a guy for real on purpose during a match? Yeah, a couple times. Uh, once I see the question, it says televised. A lot of people know about this. It was me and Danny and uh, some we were in a barn in Texas or something like that, a cattle place. And this guy jumped up on the ground from the power bomb. And uh, you can see me, Danny just go to the floor and start wailing dude. And okay. it went back to the, went back to the dressing room and, uh, sort of something I sort of feel a little bad about. I'm, um, I remember being pushed a little into it from Wahoo McDaniels where, you know, I, I didn't, 
man, if I would hit that guy for real, it could have really hurt him. So I wasn't really hitting him hard. And Yahoo said, you can't hit for blah, blah, blah. So then being a little embarrassed, I rode back and really hit the guy, you know. Oh. So, you know, so I, I would never like to do that again. Oh. Now, there was a time where I had to take Wendell Cooley in Continental one time and I put him in one of those sugar holds, one of those, um, you know, they call it the sugar hold where you just sort of choke the guy out. I got him in one of those and uh, then we got back to the hotel. He called my room and I said, Wendell, we can always go to the parking lot and finish this. And of course, he thought better of that. It oh, was a good wow. thing he did. Well, see, too, back but then. But no, there was just a. Go ahead. go ahead. It was just a few times like that. Well, back then, too, with Dan, too, that's like you said, you were still learning. Like they were showing you the ropes for the big business and stuff like that. So you kind of had to roll right. with the punches, so to speak. Pardon the pun. No, you, you did, Ron. <laughs> Bob, you really had to. Unfortunately, other people were rolling with the punches. We were just giving the punches. <laughs> exactly. Here we go. Terrence says, did you ever get to meet Andre the Giant? Yeah, I did. Uh, he was, um, I don't know what he was doing at some of the TVs, but he was there in the beginning of my my first run at Sid Justice. Um, I remember he came up to me, and I, I don't know if he had seen me nip up before or something. Uh, a lot of people, when they saw that, they were impressed. So he came to me and said, Tonight, I want you to go to the ring, grab the ropes, and then, like, flip over and land on your feet. Now, this is live TV, you know, television. I'm sure this was a match. It was just for me to get over. And um, I didn't do it. And so when I came back through the curtains, he was standing there. He said, I thought I told you to do that spot. And I said, I said, sir, I said, man, I said, this is TV. I've never done that before, and I didn't want to take a chance of messing something up. But he was uh, a little upset with me about that. Oh, man. And like I said, no one wants to upset you. He's another person. <laughs> no. He had, he had the green light to beat people up in the dressing room, hold you down, <laughs> shit on you. Yes. yes, Mr. Andre, sir. Yes. <laughs> We've heard, I mean, everybody's heard of those stories. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ricky said he'd love to hear your thoughts on the pre-taped WrestleMania with no crowd. What do you think about stuff like that? Rob, I think it has to go on. Um, yeah. One is if they don't, they're struggling right now. I'm sure with this and the football league shutting down, and they got to think of something to keep moving on. They they have to do that as well because the other companies, you know, doing the same thing they are doing. And that's keep going on, uh, keep moving forward. Um, they have to do that too. They're going to lose their ass in that WrestleMania, or just with the crowd not being there, and then you know nobody wants to buy something that's going to be, you know with that type of production. So I'm sure their buy rate and their pay-per-view will be way down. Um, so, uh, but they still need to keep going to minimize their losses and you got to hope look forward to next year at WrestleMania. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. All right. Here's one uh, from Aaron fellow Arkansasian. Is that, is that a word? Ar- Arkansian? Arkansian. There we go. In 1995, Arkansas. you had a squash match versus Razor Ramon. He, uh, you ran through Razor's pyro and hit him with a power bomb. Coolest moment he'd ever seen. But whose idea was it? And did you get burned at all from that the sparks and stuff? No, I didn't get burned from the sparks, and that was one idea that was totally the company's idea. I, I didn't have any part of coming up with that. So that was a. I thought it was pretty cool. I didn't think it was the coolest moment in my life, but this is the thing, is Rob, in my opinion, and not knocking uh, this gentleman's comment. But people see things like that like and go, wow, that was, man, what a push you got. No, that wasn't a real good push. If you, you saw what they were doing to me before that and did, did to me after that. That wasn't a push. Like a lot of times they'll say, man, Vader got a really great push when he 
he did that splash to grill a monsoon. No, that's not a good push. A good push is what I was getting with those stretcher matches. It was just week after week of me killing people. That's a push, okay? So uh, it was okay, but it wasn't all that. Gotcha. Um, and we've talked about this on the show. People comment about softball. How legit of an issue was it during your time in the business? And we've talked about that. It wasn't really. It's been blown up since. Right. Um, we'll just repeat the whole thing real quick. The deal was, it was after my lung surgery. I was told to go back home. I still hadn't put on enough weight. Uh, I was working out two, three times a day. That's running, you know, hours and hours of track, bleachers, and, and eating, eating, eating. Just, you know, I lost so much weight due to that operation. Um, and then I was, I'm going to guess it. Uh, Lawler, this is before the internet, so Lawler saw this and he turned this in, over to the kayfabe sheet. Kayfabe sheet blew this up to a big deal. I got a call from WCW saying, what are you doing? I said, I'm working out like you asked me to. Um, well, what's the deal with softball? I said, well, I'm playing at night times. Um, again, I'm not doing anything to hurt myself. Um, they said, well, for your punishment, uh, Oli told me this. He said, your punishment, we're going to have you put legs over in your first match at one <laughs> of these clashes or something like that. I said, Man, I don't care. He goes, but I'm going to be out there with you. I said, I don't care if you're out there. So that was my punishment. Um, not a big slap on the wrist. I did that. This is the deal, Rob. I volunteered to put Lex over more times than I was asked to. I actually got fined for it sometimes. So that wasn't a big deal. They paid me for a year sitting at home. I appreciated that. And this, this shows you exactly how fast rumors can start and how they can blow up. You know, we did, we did that one episode on rumors and we had the one about you and the squirrel, like that just kind of blew up out of nowhere. And, uh, now luckily I'm starting to see videos disproving it for you. Like it's not just saying it exists, but they're saying, no, this is not a, not a thing. Right. But yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, here's another one. This is from Dale. Yeah. Dale, did you enjoy working with Hogan in your first run in the WWF in 92? Yeah, this is. Working with him was easy. Um, and if it's easy and fun and there's a big crowd out there, that's always fun. So, yeah, I had a great time working with him. It was a night off. You didn't have to bump. You didn't have to give any bumps. Uh, it was like working with Curly from Three Stooges, almost identical working with Curly from Three Stooges. He did his, He made his comeback just like Curly slapped his head, blocked the punches, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so it was just a, it was like a cartoon. But it was a cartoon with a lot of people in the audience. And so um, – I had a lot of fun working with Hogan. That is so cool. Here's another one. It looks like just a comment. Uh, Martin said, loved watching you wrestle, Sid. Thank you for your great childhood and looking forward to the rescheduled CK Expo. That's, yeah, hopefully we can get you back up for the rescheduled Comic-Con that we have. Sure. Can't wait for that. Okay. And then it looks like Walter. Let me just bring this one up. Uh, Walter Sid Schultz. Yes. He's a huge fan. He's been watching your work since early 90s. You rock. Thanks for doing this. Question. Wrestling, like other businesses, needs to change and evolve. What changes did you like and didn't like in the business? Because, yeah, you were right on that cusp from, like, 80s wrestling to 2000s wrestling. You were right there. You know, honestly, I, the one th- I would say there was a few things a lot of us didn't like. One was when Vince started trying to do television tapings in bars, and we did a few of those. That would be the only thing i say I didn't really enjoy or I didn't think it was a good idea, which they canceled right away. I don't even know if they aired any of those or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but really all the other um, um, changes have been made. I, I, I agree with most of them. You know, this is the thing is uh, I saw in the documentary, Ken Burns uh, about country music. I think it was, um, 
Oh man, who was it? Um, oh shoot, it's driving me. Anyway, a great lady in country music. She said, you know, it was, um, we don't want to feed in concrete, you know, or you know, when we step in the river, we got to realize that part of the river has already moved on, and we got to, you know, come up with another idea because that that water's gone, you know. So we're only as good as the water we're standing in that moment. Then we got to think of something else. Yeah, that's that's very very true. Here, we'll just grab a couple more of these then. Uh, Jonathan said, "Really hope you guys go. Uh, really hope you go to the Hall of Fame one day because you deserve it. Some guys go their whole careers without main event wrestling. Uh, CM Punk left largely because of that. So the fact that you main evented." Two WrestleManias is a huge statement to the Titan you are in the business. Thank you for all you've done. Yeah, and that's true. Well, I appreciate that. And I think that's what I, I, I sort of put my whole career on, guys, is that I was pretty much main event my whole career uh, through the WrestleManias I was involved in, or if it was been the week before WrestleMania or the, or the year before WrestleMania. Uh, I got, for whatever reason, I was put in that spot for, you know, 99% of my career, you know, so. Um, I look at that and that's what really makes me feel good about what I've done in this business. Excellent. Okay. We'll grab two more. Uh, Dr. Stevel, he's on the air here. He goes, did you ever wrestle with oh, Typhoon God. in the WWE or as he calls him or the Shockmaster? You know, I, I don't know. This is a tough one. I remember one time, this is before I was actually on TV. They were having me show up at television tapings. And just going out there and power bombing someone. I remember the first couple of times it was the Mountie. Yeah. And then they came to me and asked me to do it to uh, Typhoon and Earthquake. And I went to Pat Patterson and said, man, I can't get my arms around these guys. I said, can you think of someone else? Uh, but they were asking me to do that, which is stupid. Uh, that's why I get the, they do a lot of smart things there, but then they do a lot of stupid stuff too. But I came close to it, but I wasn't able to. Gotcha. Now, Steve, if, if you remember, I was there that night, the night he fell through the wall. I called it that day during rehearsal. And if you hear me in the background, I say that. I go, I say, I told you so. <laughs> but then I went right on through the match, you know. Yeah, because you were one of the ones that tried to power through. I remember that. Because you could right. see other people, like, they had just given up. But uh... Well, this is the thing is, Rob, during rehearsal that day, you know, uh, they were showing where the, they were going to put the sheetrock up and gimmick the sheetrock where he could come through. Well, there's a two by four stud on the ground. I said, you know, and I knew a little bit about construction. I said, don't you think you need to maybe wedge that out that way he don't trip with that hood? And they go, don't worry about it. He'll be okay. And that's exactly what he tripped over. Yep. Good question, Stevel. There we go. This is just a comment from Juliet. Um, it's just a heart. So I'm thinking she is a fan of Sid. Oh, thank you, Juliet. I'm your Romeo. There we go. And we got one more question we'll bring up here. This is from Terrence. What do you think of AEW? Uh, do you think it would put WWF out of business? No, I think the WWF would put themselves out of business or WWE would put themselves out of business before um, AEW do, would do it. You know, I was. I think we were all looking for this big deal that we were, you know, heard about. Rob, I told you this in the beginning. Once they got on TV, they have exposed themselves for what they were not. I think they've got a great product. I love watching them, but I don't think they'll ever surpass WWE. And I don't see them staying around as long as the WWE's around. Well, WWE right now is a monster. You know, like it literally, right. it, it just feeds itself right now. So you can't destroy something like that. No. You can just hope to kind of coast along beside it. Well, or, I mean, not that it could never happen, but you'd have to 
you'd have to do some, make some big changes. You know, um, you'd have to, t- you know, I, I, you'd, there's so many things you'd have to do. Take over all the talent, find some better talent. Um, you know, first of all, AEW, when you do watch the show, you see they're real, you know, leaning towards, and they should be, um, sometimes the wrong people like Gold Dust, which is Dustin. You know, uh, Cody's good, but he's a, he can only go so far. Uh, Chris Jericho was let go because he only went so far. Uh, was you know never you know was your main event you know through a long period of time, so you got to get some main event guys in there, um, and and don't I think for the most part they show that they're not stuck on themselves where Cody's put over some people, uh, Jericho's put over some people. I think they're doing that's what you have to do is business and they're all doing that part. Um, so they're doing a lot of right things to say gear themselves up for that, but they would have to take on a lot more other things to make that happen. Gotcha. Well, Sid, thank you so much for taking some time and, and answering a bunch of questions. I know there's more, but we, we can't get to all of them, unfortunately. Sure. But uh, maybe we'll grab them and we'll make sure we put them in one of our episodes soon. Sure, man. Awesome. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, maybe we can do this again sometime. Thank you, guys. You've been listening to the Vicious Circle Podcast. Your host, Sid Udi. Co-host, J. Robert Bellamy. Additional research by Pete Marsh. The Vicious Circle Podcast was produced by Two Cousin Road Trip Media, a division of JX3 Media Productions. The intro music, Omega Amigo, was by The Shaman. All rights to the podcast are held by Sid Udi.